Thank you for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us. That means if you've never been to church, if you walked away from church, or have struggled to find a church home, we were started for you. For more information about Collective and how to join us on a Sunday morning, please head to www.mycollective.church. So welcome to 2019. Uh, which is really weird to say out loud. If you remember 19 years ago, computers were going to destroy the world. They didn't, so we're here. That's all a good thing. Uh, before we get started, I want to brag about you all a little bit. Um, it's really easy for me and for the Savage Collective to be proud of this church. Um, I'm constantly amazed by you all. Uh, two weeks ago, we hosted our Christmas Eve Eve and Christmas Eve services. And between the two services, there were over 500 people that came to experience the hope that Jesus offers. And that's incredible. You guys should clap for that. That's really good. Your inviting was amazing. You made being here a priority. I even heard multiple stories about people who changed trips out of town or took off work on Monday so that they could bring people here. And that's incredible. Like you all, like, and I know like you might not understand that, but like as a pastor, like that's the dream, right? That's a dream to have people who actually care so much about the community that they actually change their posture and change their rhythms so that they can care for other people. We also had 54 first-time guests, which is easily our highest total ever. And one thing I want you all to know is from time to time we do share numbers, but it's not just numbers. These numbers represent people and their stories. And every single story matters to us because every person in every story matters to God. And so great job on that. Uh, it was just an incredible two nights, and we're so thankful for you all for being a part of that. I also want you to know that 2018 is going to be a very hard year to top as a church. Last year, we saw 40 people put their faith in Jesus and get baptized. We added a second worship service at 9 a.m. because Collective is growing. We collected over 10,000 pounds of food for local food pantries and so many other great things. And so that was our first full year as a church, and it was above and beyond what we ever dreamt it could be. But if I'm being honest with you, I'm more excited for 2019. I think 2019 is going to be a better year, and I'm excited for you to join us in another life-changing year. One thing I'm especially excited about in 2019 is that we're hosting our first ever Financial Peace University class. Now, we talked about this in November at our generosity series. FPU is an eight-week course that will help you take control of your finances. We currently have about 15 spots available. So if you have debt that you can't get out of, if you're having trouble saving for the future, if you simply want to learn healthy principles for your finances, you should sign up for this class. It'll meet on Monday nights, starting January 28th. It costs $100 to join. We actually have scholarships. People in this church have said they will donate scholarship spots so people can be a part of it. That's how much uh, they want to help our church and our people get better at handling their finances. And so if you're interested, head to the lobby after church. You can sign up on the iPads. If you're interested in a scholarship, you can add a message to your sign-up. It comes directly to the leaders of that group, and we'll follow up with you this week. This class is going to be great, and so if you're on the fence about it, you should sign up. Because to be honest, as you look at 2019, there's probably not a better way for you to kick it off than trying to figure out how to control your money and not let it control you. So you sign up, you definitely won't regret it. And today we're starting a brand new sermon series called Musicology. Yes, Prince had a song called Musicology. No, that's not what this series is about. If you don't know what that is, Google Prince and Musicology. You'll thank me later. The music video is super weird, uh, but really cool at the same time. But this series is all about learning a better way to live. And so we're going to focus on the topics of rhythm, harmony, rest, and dynamics. And we're going to see what Scripture teaches about these topics. And I'm going to make a bold statement today that if you take to heart the teaching in this sermon series and actually apply it to your life, you will have a better 2019. 
It doesn't mean there won't be trouble and there won't be pain. It doesn't mean that your year will be perfect. It simply means if you trust scripture and apply it to your life, you will see positive change and growth in 2019. And if you don't believe me, you should give it a shot and try to prove me wrong anyways. And Jesus says in John 10, 10, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. But we know that in order for that to happen, we have to listen and obey him. And how we do that is through trusting scripture and applying it to our life. Now, I don't do this often, but I'm gonna tip my hand when it comes to our musicology series. I'm gonna let you know up front that my goal is that over the next four weeks, every single person in this church takes one or two steps forward when it comes to their relationship with God. That's my goal. That's why we're doing this series in January, because many of you are making resolutions in hope of having a better year. And our goal is we want you to have a better year, but we believe that starts with you first taking a step toward God and your faith. And we want that to happen so 2019 for you can be better than how you imagined it would be. Now, by a show of hands, how many of you made New Year's resolutions? A few people. <laughs> First service, like one person raised their hand. Uh, how many of you secretly made resolutions in your head, but you're not saying them out loud just in case you fail? You don't want everybody to know? <laughs> yeah, that's most, there you go. That's most people. So this year, approximately 120 million people will make a New Year's resolution. That's half of the adult population. And what that means is that some of you are lying. And so maybe telling the truth to be a resolution this year. But 120 million people will make resolutions and 100 million people will give up or fail by February. That means that 84% of the people who made a resolution will fail or give up before they ever give it a chance to change their life, to ever see what could happen. And last year I shared with you all that a friend of mine told me that his New Year's resolution was to finish up one whole tube of chapstick before purchasing another. That meant he couldn't lose it he couldn't accidentally put it through the wash. He couldn't purchase multiple and rotate them. That meant that his three and a half year old couldn't eat or destroy it. That's just my kid. Cool. That's fine. That's wonderful. But that was his resolution. And two weeks ago, I actually bumped into him. I asked him how it went because he was very determined to succeed. At first, he just stared at me because he had completely forgotten that that was his 2018 resolution. And then after thinking about it for a little bit, he laughed and said by the middle of January, he had already lost one tube of chapstick. And by the end of January, he actually gave up and started a whole new resolution. So his new resolution last year was to train and compete in a half Ironman. Because keeping one tube of chapstick all year was so hard, he decided to train and compete in a race where you have to swim 1.2 miles, you have to bike 56 miles, and run 13.1 miles. And he did it. In fact, he crushed it and he did so well that this year he's running a full Ironman. Now, keeping a tube of chapstick and running a half, a half Ironman are not equal when it comes to difficulty. There are very few people in this room who could train and compete in a half Ironman in one year. But we all have the chance to keep a tube of chapstick all year without losing it, as impossible as it may seem. And so I asked my friend, what was the number one thing that he had to do so that he didn't give up and was able to compete? He said that it was all about his rhythm, how he spent his days, how he spent his weeks, the breaks that he took. He reset his whole schedule and created a new rhythm in his life. And once he figured it out, the rest was easy. Now, when we hear the word rhythm, we typically think about music. Rhythm is a strong, regular, repeated pattern of movement or sound. It includes elements such as beat and rest and tempo. And without rhythm, music can't exist. It's the one thing that all musicians will say. If there's no rhythm, it's not music. Now, for those of you who don't have rhythm 
white people, you're probably lost. So I'm gonna give you some help. I'm gonna ask Dylan to come back up stage for a moment. Uh, Dylan plays keys with us most Sundays. Can everybody give it up for Dylan? <laughs> so I, I've asked Dylan to play the song, King of My Heart, which is the third song that we just sang. So the third song, we sing it all the time. It's one of my favorites. But Dylan is going to play the song without any of the elements of rhythm. Now, this is really hard for him because he's actually musically talented. If you are a musician, you're like, I don't know how that would happen. Most of us could come up here and play the song without rhythm. But Dylan's talented, so it's going to be a little bit harder for him. So Dylan's going to play King of My Heart without rhythm. You ready? Go ahead. <laughs> so we'd all agree that that's not great, right? Like he's very talented, so there's a part of you that's like, that doesn't sound awful, but it's still not good. Okay, now can you play the same song, but without rest? So you keep the beats and the time the same, but remove all the rests. So it's a little bit better, right? Like, you know kind of where he's going. I don't know about you, but like, I hear that and like, I start to feel a little bit stressed out, right? Like when there's no rest, I feel like I just need to start like running around or like doing something. Imagine what worship would be like if like, that's how we played all of our songs. Like we wouldn't know what to do. Okay, now same song, play it with all of the elements of rhythm, how we play it on Sundays. All right, give it up for Dylan. So that third version, like that's the song we play on Sundays. It's a song that you get lost in, a song that you want to sing, the song that you can keep up with. But here's what's important. All three of the songs were the same song. They had the same notes. They had the same tune. They would have had the same words if we sang it. But the first song, if we're being honest, we don't want to hurt Dylan's feeling, it was awful right? It's grating. It's not a song that you would want to listen to or sing to or even have a, be a part of your life. The second song is a little bit better, but without rest, the song creates anxiety and unrest. It lacks a moment to breathe. The third song, that's the one we want to hear. It's a song that moves us. It's a song that you can find yourself lost in. And so if your life was a song, which one would it sound like? Would it be song one, which chaotic, no rhythm, no rest, a bunch of noise? Would it be song two, the right beats, but no room to breathe, stressed out, no margin, exhausting? Would it be song three, the right tempo, the right rest? It feels complete. It feels whole. I don't know about you, but my life feels a lot like song one on a bad week and song two on a good week. I constantly struggle to find a healthy rhythm in my life. In fact, it's something that my counselor constantly challenges me on. I overload my week. I don't have consistency in my schedule. I rarely rest. And because of that, my life feels overwhelming. It feels chaotic. It feels exhausting. And if my life were a song, it would sound a lot like a song without rhythm. We need healthy rhythm in our lives. We need it in our days. We need it in our weeks. Because without rhythm, our life is just a bunch of noise. And because we don't have a healthy rhythm, our lives lack peace. We're tired. We sacrifice things that truly matter because we aren't sure how to figure out how to put them in our schedule. And because of this, this hurts our relationships. This hurts our growth. This hurts our mental health. 
Culture tells us we should live like song one or two, that success is based on how busy we are, that value comes from being able to work ourselves to the point of exhaustion, that having a schedule with no margin or no rest proves that we're important. And so that's how we live our lives. But if we really took a step back and looked and felt the anxiety, the stress that we experience, the feeling that you can't get enough sleep, that we don't have enough time, that we aren't good enough, that we can't get enough done, if we took a step back, we'd realize that our life is just a bunch of noise. And the good news is that it's not how God intended us to live. Throughout the Bible, God teaches his people to have healthy rhythms. And it starts with him. In Genesis 1, God spent six days creating the world as we know it. Now, we don't know if that meant literal days, as in 24-hour periods, but I don't want you to get hung up on that because that's actually not essential to understanding the character of God. But Genesis 1 says God spent six days creating, six days working, and then on the seventh, he rested. In Genesis 2, this is what it says. God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. God had a rhythm. God worked six days and then rested. He sat back and admired the work that was done. He called everything he created good. And what God does, he actually teaches that same rhythm to the Israelites in the Ten Commandments. Moses, who God chose to lead the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt, goes up on Mount Sinai to hear from God, and God gives him 10 commandments. These are 10 rules for living. And God did this because the Israelites needed structure. They needed order. They needed guidelines put in place because their life was just a bunch of noise. And the fourth commandment given to them is about rest. Exodus 20 says this, Remember to observe the Sabbath, Sabbath day by keeping it holy. And Sabbath means to rest from labor. And it continues, you have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. And one thing I want to make sure is really clear is that phrase ordinary work is in reference to your daily grind. God isn't saying that one day a week we veg out on the couch that we neglect our kids, that we isolate ourselves. People still prepared food, they fed and watered animals and did anything necessary to get them through that day. But the goal was to stop people from performing any usual labors, work of the other six days that could possibly be stopped without causing themselves or other people harm. God wanting us to have rest is not a pathway to neglect, but it comes from his love for us and his desire for us to live a healthy life. God wants us to have a healthy rhythm because he had a healthy rhythm. The commandment finishes with this. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. One of the 10 commandments given from God is to rest to pause, to take a break from the daily grind. And it's all about having a healthy rhythm in your life. Spend six days doing your ordinary work, then rest, then repeat. Six days on, one day off, repeat. That's rhythm. Jesus later teaches in Mark 2 that the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. God created rest because God wants you to have healthy rhythm in your life, in your weeks and in your days. God wants you to have healthy rhythm because that is what is best for you. And so the question is, how do we find rhythm in our lives? 
because we realize that our days, our weeks, our months often feel like a bunch of noise. So what do we do? In order to create rhythm in your life, you have to figure out what your priorities are. And your priorities are anything that dictates your time, energy, or resources. And I'm going to say that again. Your priorities are anything that dictates your time, your energy, or resources. So what are your priorities? What do you love so much that everything else is oriented around it? What dictates your time and your energy and your resources? If you were to go home this afternoon and write down everything you do in a week how much, and how much time you would spend doing it, what would that say about your priorities? What do you give the majority of your time to? Is it work, sleep? Maybe it's your kids or your relationships. Maybe it's personal growth. Maybe you spend a lot of your time reading. But what about Netflix, Facebook, Instagram? How much time do you give God each week? Is it a priority? A recent study came out saying that the average person spends 20 minutes a day engaging their faith. That includes reading their Bible, praying, listening to worship, serving the community, being in community. It's 20 minutes a day. Men actually bring the average down because they only spend 15 minutes a day engaging their faith. And so men, if there's one thing you take from this sermon or this series or anything that I would ever say to you, step up. Like, you, like men, like the fact that you spend so little time engaging your faith to where it brings down the average, that, that should hurt you. Step up, set the tone. Another recent study said that Christians, people who publicly proclaim that they follow Jesus, only attend church once a month, and that's actually trending toward once every six weeks. If you are a follower of Jesus, I don't know how you can say that Jesus is a priority if you only spend one Sunday a month at church. If I only spent one hour a month on my marriage, could I say that it's a priority? If I only spent one hour a month with my daughters, are they a priority? If I only spent one hour a month on my mental health, is that a priority? The same study also said that of all the people who attend church regularly, once, every, once a month, only 33% of those people are actually involved outside of Sunday mornings. And that means being involved in serving in the community, participating in a small group, serving at a church on Sunday morning, and again, if you are a follower of Jesus, I don't know how you can say that your faith is a priority if all you are doing is spending one hour a week here, maybe once a month. So what are your priorities? Does Netflix get more time than your family, than your friends, than your own spiritual or mental or physical health, more than your relationship with God? American adults spend more than 11 hours per day watching, reading, listening to, or simply interacting with media. 11 hours a day. And what that actually means, if you take sleep and you take work, that means most of us are on media at work while driving, while spending time with family, while spending time with friends. 11 hours a day, that's average. And what you give your time to is a priority, whether you like it or not. And until you fix your priorities, your rhythm will always be like song one or song two. When I was in college, one of my roommates got a brand new chess set for Christmas, so he wanted to play all the time. And to be honest, I hate chess. Uh, I know how to play, but I don't play it often because it requires too much patience. I think chess is so slow. And so I actually prefer <laughs> chess where it's sped up, where you have a timer, and you go as fast as you can. That's how I like to play chess. I know this is a lot about the way I live my life. I know you can stop judging me. We're fine. But I'm also super competitive, and so when he asked me if I wanted to play chess, I reached out to a few of my friends who are actually good at chess because if I was going to play, I wanted to win. And the thing that helped me the most was called uh, the chess piece 
value system. Now, if you play chess, you understand this. In chess, there's a system that assigns a point value to each piece. These values help determine how valuable a piece is strategically and whether or not specific moves on a chessboard are actually wise. This system is actually what's used in computers. They use math to help them figure out and evaluate positions, and that's why the computer usually always wins. The most valuable piece is a queen, which is a nine. The least valuable is a pawn, which is a one. And you use this system to determine whether or not you are making the right moves, whether or not you're winning the match, or even whether or not you're winning a specific move. This point system helps you prioritize how you play the game. And practically, if you were to do that in your life today and give a point value to everything that you do in a week, everything that you gave time to that was a priority, would you be prioritizing the right things? Because in chess, it's easy to think that pawns are the priority, right? They're on the front line. There's more of them than anything else. But if you add up all the pawns, they aren't even worth one queen. In your life, it's easy to get distracted by the things that take the most time. It's easy to get distracted by things that you do most often in your day or in your week. But the question is, are they the most valuable? And if you actually do this, if you actually go home today and think about your life and your schedule and your priorities and you actually give them value, something will happen. You will realize that there are things that you do on a weekly basis that are not important, that are not valuable, that make a negative impact on your life, that take you out of your rhythm, that need to be replaced by other valuable things. Because prioritizing isn't just about maintaining or adding. It's also about removing things from your life as well. And sometimes this will be based on an overvalue of time. You give something that isn't valuable way more time than what you give to other things. Sometimes there'll be things that disrupt your rhythm. Maybe it's people. Sometimes it's a little bit bigger. It's a job or a relationship. Because if you do this, you'll step back and realize that you're spending the majority of your time working a career that you hate. You're giving that number one priority and it's impacting everything else in your life. Because if you take a step back, you realize that you might be in a relationship that's a dead end that you know it's not going anywhere, it's not moving in the direction you want it to. You might realize that you spend time with friends that don't bring any value to your life. Once you figure out what those things are, you're gonna need to remove them. You're gonna need to prune them from your life because prioritizing isn't always about adding new things, but removing the things that pull you away from a healthy rhythm. And Jesus talks about this in John 15. He's talking about God and he says this, He says, he cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. God wants to remove the things from your life that don't produce fruit. And this hurts. It does. It hurts to remove things from our life, specifically if it's a part of our regular rhythm. It hurts to end a relationship with someone that you've been dating for a long time, even though you know it's not going where you want it to go. It hurts to remove friendships from your life, even though they're toxic and they bring you down. It hurts to delete those apps that you waste so much of your time on, right? Like we don't wanna say that out loud, but the reason why you still have those games, the reason why you still have Facebook is because it hurts to delete those. It hurts to fix your schedule and create more space in your life. But when you do that, you will bear more fruit. So what do you need to remove from your life so that you can bear more fruit? So that you can be more fruitful, so you can do better things, so that you can be more productive, so that you can have better relationships, so that you can be healthier, so that you can have more joy and more peace, so that you can have a healthy rhythm. I mentioned earlier that my goal for this series is that every person here takes a step forward in their relationship with God. But some of you can't do that because you have a bad rhythm. You have the wrong priorities. You give value to the wrong things. You're afraid to remove the dead branches from your life. 
That's why when we challenge you to join a collective, which is something we do every single week from our MC spot, you don't because you make excuses about how much time you have. And it isn't that you don't have time, it's that you don't have the right priorities. You would rather spend four hours a day on Netflix. That's average, four hours a day on Netflix. If you wonder where the space goes in your life and you don't have time to do things that are meaningful, it's Netflix. But whether you like to admit it or not, that's your priority. So one challenge for you coming out of this sermon is for you to fix your rhythm and fix your priorities so you can get in community, so that you can serve other people, so that you can read your Bible more. If there's one thing that you'll do all of 2019 that you need to set into your rhythm, of all the advice we give, read your Bible. Stop looking at Facebook first thing in the morning, right? What, What do we do? We wake up, we pick up our phone, we look at Facebook, we look at Twitter, we look at Instagram. If you remove that from your life and the first thing you do is pick up a Bible and read it, I can guarantee your 2019 will be better than any other you you've ever lived. Make that a priority. There's a story in the Bible that Luke writes where Jesus is at the house of two sisters named Mary and Martha. Now, this is a different Mary than the Virgin Mary. It's like being born in the 80s and being named Michael. It's extremely common. Uh, I went to school with like 70 Michaels. I went to school with like 60 of them were Michael Bryan, which is my name. My parents, they tried really hard. I'm sorry, Mom. Uh, (laughs) But it's a different Mary. And so while Jesus is at Mary and Martha's house, she starts to teach. And so Mary, what she does, she actually stops everything that she's doing so she can listen. She sits at the feet of Jesus. And then this happens, Luke 10. But Martha, her sister, was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. So Martha's distracted by the wrong things. Jesus is literally sitting in her living room and teaching and her priorities are, I got stuff to do around the house. Instead of her taking a step back and realizing that her priorities are off, she tries to get Jesus to convince Mary to join her. The story continues, but the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her. There's only one thing worthy of being concerned about. There is only one priority that truly matters and that is your relationship with Jesus. Now, Jesus isn't saying that dinner prep is wrong, that chores are wrong. He's saying that they aren't the number one priority. He is. He's saying that the other priorities will fade away and change over time, right? Rhythms will change, life will change. And those things that she is focusing on right now won't matter half as much in the future. Those things will be gone, but he won't. And so for some of you, It's less about joining a collective or serving other people because you aren't sure God is a priority in your life. And that's what you need to be wrestling with right now. But instead of looking at 2019 for a fresh start, why don't you just turn to Jesus who promises to make you new? He promises second chance to stop looking at resolutions for what Jesus is already offering. Romans 6 says this, For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. If you want new, if you want a fresh start, if you want a new life, no resolution will do that for you. Only Jesus can offer you that. So instead of hoping that 2019 is different and waiting 365 days to look back to see if it works, start off the right way. Receive the grace that he offers. Receive the forgiveness that he offers. Receive the hope that he offers. Make him a priority. Don't let the noise pull you away from the one thing that truly matters the most, the one thing that truly won't fade, a relationship with Jesus. On January 20th, 
We're gonna set up the trough because we have a few baptisms. And we're gonna celebrate as people publicly put their faith in Jesus and are made new. Because only God can take broken people with broken pasts and broken presents who will have broken futures and make them new. And so if you are in that place and you are wondering what your next step is for 2019, if you're looking for something new or fresh or a fresh start, what are you waiting for? Seriously, when you prioritize Jesus, you're prioritizing joy. You're prioritizing hope. You're prioritizing purpose. You're prioritizing forgiveness. You're prioritizing life to the full. There's this moment in the Bible where some of Jesus' followers are teaching a crowd of people about the good news that he brought. They're teaching about the forgiveness that he offers. And the people respond by asking, okay, what do we do now? If this joy is real, if this hope is real, if Jesus conquered death and we believe that to be true, what do we do? This is what it says in Acts 2.38. Peter replied, each one of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That word repent literally means to change one's mind. What he's saying is make Jesus the priority, not yourself, not your career, not your family history, not any of those things. Change your mind. Stop making it all about you and make it about him. Repent. The second thing he says is be baptized. And that means to be immersed, fully immersed in water, which signifies the death of your old self and the raising up of your new self. And you do that for the forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't mean that everything will be easier. It doesn't mean that your pain will immediately disappear. But what it does mean is that your hope is no longer found in yourself or in your career, or in the relationships that constantly let you down. Your hope and joy are found in Jesus and Jesus alone. He is your priority and your life reflects that. And so I want to encourage you, if you've never made that decision to put your faith in Jesus and get baptized, what's holding you back? If you want 2019 to be different, you can make a resolution and you could fail at it and you can make another one and you could run a half Ironman and you could do it again the next year. That won't change your life. Things will get better, And then things will get harder, things will get worse again. But if you want 2019 to actually be a different year than all the rest, be made new, accept Jesus, put your faith in him, and get baptized. Maggie mentioned earlier, you can check off the box in your connection card, but really I'd love to talk to you in the lobby because we want nothing more for you at this church than to take that step to make 2019 different. Don't wait on resolutions, don't wait on anything else. You have the decision, it's up to you. Without rhythm, our life is just a bunch of noise but our song doesn't have to sound that way. It doesn't have to feel that way. That's not how God intended our life to be. That's not how he wants us to live our days or our weeks or our months. We need to make him a priority and let that change how we live our life so we can experience life to the full, so we can experience the hope that he offers and the joy that he offers, and more importantly, the forgiveness and grace that he offers. Make him a priority. Let's pray. God, uh, if we're being honest, we don't, we don't know what we're doing. Um, God, I, I know for me that when I, when I create my own schedule and I have control, I end up tired. I end up worn out. I, I end up frustrated, disappointed. Or, or, or God, I end up letting people down. So God, I, I'm thankful um, that, that through what you teach, we can learn how to do life better, to have rhythm, to have rest, to have a really productive life that isn't full of a bunch of noise and junk and social media and things that ultimately just do their best to bring us down. 
So God, I pray for everybody in here that feels the way that I do. God, that this week can be different, that this year can be different. God, that we look at the things that we spend our time on, our money on, our energy on, the things that we think about all the time, things that we do all the time. And God, we really try to figure out what are our priorities and what are the things that we need to change? What are the things that we need to get rid of? What are the things that we need to do better, invest in? What are the things that we need to make the beginning of our week? What are the things that we need to make important? God, I pray this week that uh, as we head out and we go through life, uh, that we come face to face with this tension. God, that we can't be passive about it, but we wake up tomorrow morning realizing that we are wasting our time on things that don't matter and you're standing right next to us. God, I pray for everybody here that's looking for a better 2019. God, that they don't go to blogs or they don't choose one word. They don't do any of that stuff, but God, they just turn to you. They turn to you, they turn to your word, they turn to a community of people that can help them take those steps forward. God, thank you that we don't have to figure this out for ourselves, that you give us a better way to live. God, we love you and pray these things in your name. Amen.